Hey guys, welcome back to Kuza's Corner. I'm your host, Dominic Kuza, and thank you guys for tuning in today. I hope you guys are enjoying all the episodes lately, and I'm really having fun doing this with you guys. So if you could please like, subscribe, share, leave a comment, a rating, I would really appreciate it. Thanks. Yo, yo, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Sorry about the delay. Um, I'm a day late on this one, but... I wanted to do a podcast with listeners Q&A, so I posted up on my Instagram um, a Q&A box, kind of to see what people were thinking about, what they wanted to ask, and then um, get answered on the podcast. So to do things, we're just going to get started with everything right now. Um, The first question, do you think it's beneficial to occasionally switch the order of your exercises on a given day? So um, with that, I am a big believer in exercise order and exercise selection, uh, meaning that you should properly program your training so that you're not doing something before a movement that could hinder the next movement. So for example, um, you shouldn't, you know, bar bent over barbell row because of the lower back loading if you're about to do uh, a deadlift, for example, Um, just because doing two lower back loadings in a row might be a little bit much for you and uh, affect that. One thing I've noticed personally that I have to train my biceps before I can do my shoulders. If I train my shoulders before I train my biceps, I usually have um, uh, just this really big burning sensation in my bicep tendon um, near my te- uh, near my shoulder, and it kind of hinders my performance on my biceps and forces me to stop um, early. So uh, I don't think it is beneficial. I think it's something that you want to um, make sure you're consistent with and staying on top of um, because your order to everything was very important. Very, it's it's planned out. So. If, if your coach is really good at training and um, programming training and things, the exercise order is in that order for a reason. Um, if you're pressed for time and something's taken, yeah, it's not going to be the end of the world if you have to go and move and do something. But I don't think going in every session and purposely changing things is a good idea. Uh, the next question, where will Dom Kuza be in 10 years? Um So in 10 years, I'll be 37 years old. Uh, By that time, I'm hoping to be coaching a good bit less um, and doing more educational stuff, uh, maybe owning a gym. Um, I want to do more things for like the community aspect of things. Like I really enjoy throwing these seminars and helping teach um, our community here in Michigan. Um, So, you know, in 10 years, I'm hoping to be in a spot where I'm only coaching, you know, half the time and then the other half of the time I'm, you know, traveling, doing seminars, uh, you know, helping teaching a lot of different topics to people who are interested in it. Uh, And I think it's a very um, plausible thing because that's kind of what I've been focusing on now, which leads me into the next question. Um, What areas would you like to expand your current brand into? And I think right now, there's a few things that I want to focus on as far as the brand of me, the brand of Team Kuza, um, 
the brand of you know all that is one is very educational i want to start getting more into the educational spaces of things throwing more seminars making it a more regular thing um thankfully jeff robinson at powerhouse milford has been very um inviting to you know continue to throw these seminars there for everybody to attend um and i would love to get it to the point where i'm doing some sort of educational seminar every month uh, for people, uh, you know, everybody enjoys the videos, the recordings, the courses, things like that. But, um, you know, being in person and learning is definitely a good experience for a lot of people. And, and a lot of people actually learn a good bit better when they are sitting in person and listening and taking notes and whatnot. Uh, so that's something that I really am trying to focus on with uh, building my brand these next couple uh, these next couple years months um so be it um and then uh youtube is something that i want to get into again i gave it a shot in a couple like a couple years ago but i want to give it a true honest shot again where i can be a little bit more authentic with everybody um get on their vlog style uh train talk all that kind of stuff just so that you know i have a platform to share with you guys kind of the inside look of everything that goes on with you know my day-to-day my coaching my athletes and whatnot um this year one thing i will be doing that i'm going to try to do at all the higher shows that i go to so national levels um some of the pro shows i have pros competing in i'm going to try to bring uh, some sort of videographer along the way to kind of document it all um just to give you guys an insight on like how i coach how i you know make decisions and and then kind of the experience of what it is like two days out from a show and uh, what you know goes into it, how my thought processes work and everything like that. So that is something that I'm planning on doing this year. So this year is kind of just building up the, the, the seminar aspect of things and then also working a bit on the uh, YouTube ends of things because Instagram only allows me so much to share with you guys and I think having a good YouTube channel would, would definitely help, um, a lot there. Uh, so I, there is a PED question here. Um, when bulking, would you prefer EQ or Nandrolone? Um, so from more of an educational standpoint, um, EQ or Equipoise, uh, was a veterinarian steroid made for horses mainly. Uh, it's something that I am not a fan of anymore. Um, as I've learned more about it and uh, the toxicity levels that it does cause um, in some people, I've got the impression that it's probably best to be kept out of any employment of it. Uh, and I think, you know, just for growing purposes, there's better options for people. Um, and I would say a better option in this scenario would be Nandrolone instead of Equipoise. Um, so to this person, I would say not touching um, EQ would be an advisable thing to say, and Angelo might be a better choice. Uh, have you ever considered powerlifting? Um, no, I have not. I don't. I think powerlifting is cool. I think it's, you know, very uh, dominant because of the strength aspect of things where, you know, you're deadlifting, you're benching, you're squatting. Uh, extremely heavy weight um, but for me I think I got into this more so because of the aesthetics of things and not so much um, you know the direct training of things and I rather 
build my body the way I want it to look. And with powerlifting training, you don't fully support like hypertrophy and things like that. Uh, tips for post-show eating to not go crazy, enjoy the next day with friends and family. So post-show eating is a really big topic um, because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people I've had this happen. All I've had this happen so many times where athletes getting done with their show and they're telling me I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to reverse perfect. And, you know, they talk about it a lot. And then we're a couple days after the show and they've eaten way more than they originally thought they were going to. I think um, going into post-show, don't have a hard restriction on yourself because those hard restrictions usually come with the overeating and the over-binging. I think it's important to um, approach it as I'm just going to freely enjoy and eat the things I've been craving or eat the things that I want to eat or just you know spend some quality time and have some food with you know your friends, your loved ones, you know all those people who have been supporting you the whole time. And then try your best to get back on diet on Monday. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who try really hard to push themselves to be perfect the day after a competition. And I think it's a little bit unrealistic. And, uh, and those people are usually the ones that one week into their reverse, they're cheating every other day because they've placed such a hard restriction on themselves. I do think a recovery diet is a better um, angle to take than a reverse diet. So increasing calories a lot out of the gate and getting those body fat levels back up to like a really healthy range um, is probably a smarter idea for longevity and for you know your mental sanity because a lot of people have a really hard mental struggle with not being not eating the things they want to just gorge on post show. So I think the best tip I can be the best tip I can say is. Set yourself up for a recovery diet where calories come up high after a show. And then don't be restrictive that weekend of your show. Go out, enjoy Saturday, enjoy Sunday. And then when Monday comes around, try to be perfect. Um, or don't, I'm sorry, don't try to be perfect. Let yourself have a little bit of leeway so that you don't add to this psychological downplay of everything. Um, because when you push yourself to be so restrictive right out the gate, you'll probably have a big um, rebound effect with cheating. So, you know, that's a, a good way to approach, you know, post-show eating, in my opinion. Um, how to deal with emotional overeating stemming from limiting self-beliefs. So I think this person is trying to say, um, how do I deal with emotional eating that, you know, is, is coming from the lack of self that were the lack of self-belief in myself, I guess to say, or they have a lot of self-doubt, so they get emotional and start eating. Um, I think, I think social media and our community of the MPC, not the MPC, but um, the community of like bodybuilding online has made self uh, self-doubt more prevalent because we all follow these really big names and these really amazing physiques and we constantly compare ourselves to them. Um, you know, whenever I talk to people who are looking to get into this, and I always say like, you're not gonna look like um, an Olympian after a few preps, it's gonna take a while. Um, you know, it might not ever happen. You might not just have the genetics for it. You might not have the work ethic for it. 
Um, so I think what happens is a lot of these people follow these really popular people in our um, in our industry and they constantly compare themselves to that. And then what happens is a lot of self-doubt comes from that. I, I'll never look like that. I can't look like that. And then that's where if one of your coping mechanisms for that is eating, you end up, you know, overeating or emotionally eating because you don't believe in yourself enough to be able to achieve a fraction of what they did. And then, you know, it kind of spirals into this um, overeating. So I think a way to deal with that is honestly unfollow those kind of people because even if it, it's not a conscious thing you're saying, it, there's definitely a subconscious at play there um, because. You know, when I look at it too, even I'll watch. I watched the Arnold, and I said, "Why am I even going to bother competing this year? I need to be so much bigger, right?" That's a that's a limiting self belief. There, I don't. I have low self belief that I could be competitive at what I look like right now, because I I subconsciously compared myself to top level pros. So maybe taking a step back, unfollowing those kind of people, or not paying attention so much to those kind of people is a good thing. And then even not the really popular people, stop, don't compare your progress, your journey to somebody else's. It's super cliche, but it does take a toll on you, even if it is, um, even if you don't think you're doing it, you're, you're, you're most likely doing it. So, you know, don't compare, you know, your health phase to somebody else's health phase. Like if their hormones rebounded faster than yours, then so be it. If your fat loss is taking longer than someone else's, so be it, you know. And those are things that you have to be mindful of because they can add up pretty fast and, and you know, kick you down a bit. Uh, cortisol and its effects on sex hormones, preferably testosterone. Uh, so uh, cortisol... Um, does have the ability to uh, when, when stress is really high we see what's called like stress eternal inflammation things like that when it's really high we see what's called the cortisol steel so with the with the cortisol steel what happens is um, this stress level is so high that from cholesterol to um, uh, pregnenolone to progesterone, we see stress uptake so elevated that we directly create cortisol and cortisone instead of creating DHEA and then eventually testosterone. So that's why in this hormone cascade, when stress levels are so high, we see what's called this cortisol steal, uh, where cortisol is directly made from progesterone and then cortisone is made from um, pregenolone and that is where the issue of you know its impact down the road of testosterone comes from or estrogen comes from um, and then that's also where we see a lot of um, a lot of uh, reduction in sex hormones because the stress level is so high we see this direct conversion to cortisol and then that eventually leads to lower DHEA levels, which then leads to lower testosterone levels, which then could possibly lead to lower um, estrogen levels. So we want to make sure that, um, you know, we're trying our best to keep internal inflammation, internal stress levels, um, you know, as low as possible. I think it's something that is super, super important. 
And then we had some more questions here. Uh, what is your opinion on cardio during bulking? Um, I think cardio during bulking or you know calorie surplus pushing food um, is a good idea still. I think it's good for your heart. Um, I think it's good for your appetite and it can also help you you know eat more uh, and then you're keeping your endurance a little bit higher even if you're not pushing the cardio too hard you know you are aiding in your performance in the gym so i'm a fan of doing some cardio during big food pushes um somebody asked your least favorite part of your job um my least favorite part of my job is probably the amount of time I have to spend on my phone some days where you kind of just feel disconnected from everything else and it, it makes it hard to be present. Uh, so that's probably my least favorite part of the job. Uh, favorite part of my job. So favorite part, um, I guess you could break this up into a few. My favorite part, coaching competitors, is obviously winning. Um, and then... Uh, actually, I would say winning is second. Uh, the first thing is just beating their last package. Just, you know, I always get excited when like a new competitor uh, comes to me and they're like, man, I'm five weeks out and I look like how I looked one week out from my last show. And that's always a really satisfying feeling. Like we're so ahead of what they looked like last time that, you know, I know that we're doing a good job together. And then lifestyle wise, like, um, you know, maybe I'm fixing something that's super um, health related or they're, you know, losing a bunch of weight and they're able to wear clothes, do things they wanted to do. Uh, those are always really um, satisfying. And then uh, seeing how my education has been able to help people. Um, every once in a while, people, you know, reach out and say like how much they've learned. But um, I haven't realized the impact that I actually have on some people's uh, knowledge um, because, People don't always just come out and say like thanks or whatever, but um, over time it comes out and I don't realize like how many people actually pay attention and actually learn. So that's always a cool thing. Uh, so one thing that was pretty popular last week to, that I talked about was supersetting. Um, so our supersets a waste of time, this person asked. And my answer was supersets are not a waste of time. They're good for if you're pressed for time. Um, but I think people superset too much to where their muscles are failing or their, I'm sorry, their cardiopulmonary, their breathing, their endurance is failing before their muscles are able to fail or get to the point because they think they're working harder, but essentially they're just working their lungs harder and their heart rate harder. Um, and then, you know, there's two types of supersets you have overlapping and non-overlapping meaning are you doing an antagonist muscle so like are you doing your bicep and then your tricep or are you doing like your back and then um your quad those kind of supersets are usually not big issues because uh, they have nothing to do with each other right they're not limiting performance on either end because if i do a row and then i go do a leg extension that row is not affecting my leg extension and vice versa those kind of supersets are usually okay and we don't see a big dip in performance from them but when we see people doing back-to-back -back, like um, quad workouts um, you know you might fail a little bit faster but would you rather have more tension or would you rather have more metabolite accumulation? And 
in my opinion, I think it would be better to have more direct tension and focus on that tension than just feeling this burning sensation. Um, even though metabolite accumulation, you know, can cause some muscle protein synthesis, uh, we know that tension is the biggest driver of that. So why not just, you know, reduce the sets and just do some straight sets so that your tension is, is better. Um, what other questions are good ones? Uh, when can you tell to stop gaining weight and go into maintenance calories? Um, there's a few things. Visually, are you getting too fat? Uh, are you putting on so much fat that you can't see lines anymore? It's probably time to pull back your calories. And at that point, I would say it's not even a time to go into maintenance. At that time, I'd say it's probably time to go into a little calorie deficit in the cleanup phase. Um, Performance-wise, are you not as motivated to go to the gym? Are you performing less? Are you doing less um, in your logbook? All of that kind of uh, is an indicator that food might be too high. Um, is your sleep getting worse? Are you snoring throughout the night? Uh, things like that. So that could be um, an issue as well. And maybe time to take a step back. Um, and then, you know, if you're someone who tracks like blood sugars and things like that, is blood sugar trending high? Is it sitting up higher now? Um, that might be a time to pull back because your insulin sensitivity is getting um, worse and you're getting more insulin resistant if you're not utilizing the food um, properly. Uh, let's see. Sorry, there's a lot of questions. I'm just trying to pick, trying to pick some good ones. Mm -mm -mm. All right. So, um, the next one is favorite sources for carbs. I think that's a good question. Um, I'm a big rice product guy. Um, I like to use rice, rice cakes, cream of rice, super easy to digest, really sits well in the stomach. Um, I'll use like natural jams and honey and things like that uh, just to get calories in. I'm not a big potato fan. Um, if we're talking for myself, I'm not a big potato fan. Um, I do like breads. I like um, like Ezekiel breads, like sprouted grain kind of bread. Um, usually is pretty good for me. I like those. Those are all really, um, those are all really solid uh, choices that you could use because you'll you'll feel pretty uh, you'll feel pretty good with all of that in your system. Uh, let's see, we got some more. Oh, favorite supplements for digestion. Uh, so depending on what the digestive issue is, um, if it's like a low stomach acid issue, I like using apple cider vinegar capsules, uh, betaine with pepsin, uh, just to stimulate more stomach acid production so that you can digest your food better. 
Um, a lot of us probably have low stomach acid, uh, contrary to what you think might be high stomach acid because of reflux or heartburn. It's usually actually a cause from low stomach acid. Um, and then, you know, there's other supplements I like too, like Gut Defender Plus by Nuthix is a really solid uh, digestive supplement that helps uh, a ton when it comes to um, things like that. And then is it, you know, we got we kind of have to see what the symptoms are, but those are probably the most common and, and those actually help a good ton. Uh, my testosterone jumped from 822 to 1018 from taking DHEA for a month. Is that normal? And I would say, yes, that's pretty normal um, because we know DHEA is kind of like a, I don't know, I guess you could say pro-hormone to testosterone. So while we increase DHEA, we can see, you know, an increase in testosterone and even an increase in estrogen um, or because we know DHEA can convert to esterone and then that can convert to estradiol. Recommendation for growing legs. Uh, so my recommendation is probably um, frequency is a good one to have in there, uh, not doing legs once a week making sure you're getting legs in a good bit, um, especially if you're asking the question of how to grow them. Obviously, you're not a hyper responder, so once a week is probably not a good amount of time to be spent training your legs. Uh, and then I think you should have some sort of uh, leg press, some sort of hip hinge, uh, some sort of squat variation all in there somehow. Um, and then kind of pick your accessories at what you feel the most. Some people feel really good doing leg extension some people don't um so accessory wise kind of playing that out um and then i also think with legs because they're such a big muscle group we stand a lot we walk a lot um i think a good way to train them is focusing a good bit on your um tension so uh putting some sort of tempo into things putting some sort of you know intensifier to them is usually a good idea because they can they can handle a lot and i think that's uh, a good angle you can take for for that kind of stuff and then we'll answer one more one more question how did you meet the coaches on your team uh so before um i joined gifted i was um, I was friends with uh, Cameron Cheek, who um, was with Gifted at the time. And then I decided to hire a coach, and then I hired Cameron and Paul. They both worked for uh, Gifted at the time. And then as coaching went on and we kept talking, um, the talk about joining the team as a coach came up. I did a podcast with uh, Ryan, Paul, and Cam uh, before. Uh, when I was just on my own and then uh, just after some time we talked a couple times and saw where they could help me as far as my coaching goes and then um, we jo I joined the team and that's that so if you guys uh, like these Q&A's I'd love to keep doing them um, I'm thinking about bringing on a uh, another coach and we'll kind of do a Q&A together um, I'll post that when that happens and everything so that we can, you know, cumulatively get a bunch of questions put together for everybody and then see what we can we'll tackle and do. But thank you guys for listening today.
please like, comment, subscribe. Give me five stars on stuff because that helps. Uh, and then share this with your friends. Um, if there's any other questions you guys have, uh, shoot them over to me. I'll definitely answer them either on my Instagram story or in another one of these podcasts or even on uh, one of the podcasts I do with the guys at Gifted. So shoot them over if you guys have any. Uh, I hope you guys have a good week and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks.